What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of CMA Podcast. How is everybody doing? Today, I am joined by Fight Royalty. Anyone who knows combat sports knows what would go in to the background of preparing for a fight and maintenance during a fight. Um, of course, I'm talking about cut men. And today I speak with the most, uh, how would you say, most notable and familiar cut man in the game. Today I talk to Stitch, albeit boxing, MMA, whatever the combat sport, he's been involved in it, he's been in movies. Um, I met him at UFC 93, an absolute gentleman. I reached out to him this week and he got back to me right away. We set it up and we talked for quite a while. Please enjoy the podcast. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jacob Stitch Durant. Mr. Durant, how are you doing, sir? Good, man. I haven't seen you since what? UFC 93? UFC 93 on the button right there. Uh, well, how can I, what can I call you? Can I call you Stitch? Yeah, call me Stitch, man. Don't call me Mr. Durant. Awesome. Kind of makes, makes me feel bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now Stitch is it. You know, and it's funny, man, but Thanks for having me on again. It's good talking to you. My pleasure, but, man. You know, people always ask me what my first name is. They don't even know what my real name is. And uh, and it's Jacob, right? So, uh, yeah, but every though, for the most part, it's Stitch. Yeah. You're just the the most trustworthy, happy face in combat sports um, with yeah. the coolest name, Stitch. I mean, that, that doesn't get any cooler than that. I know. Hey, I agree, man. You know, I've, been, I've been blessed, you know, to be in the position that... Uh, then I'm mad. I'd be the first one to tell you, you know, that uh, I'm quite humbled, man, just to be working with the best fighters in the world and all combat sports and, you know, be in movies and written books. And I mean, you have Bad Boy that were one of my sponsors. And yeah. A lot of good things have happened because of of combat sports. Yeah, you, you've been all over the world. I've, I've followed your career for many, many years. Um, Pride Days, Japan, Europe. Uh, Ireland, yeah. UK, Germany with the Klitschko's, you name it, you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Russia, Kazakhstan, you know, Kazakhstan, oh. you know, trips to Afghanistan to uh, visit the soldiers, you know. Uh, so I've kind of tried to maximize the opportunities that have come to me, you know, based on what I do as a cut man. So, yeah, you know, I was telling you, I'm blessed. <laughs> and you were talking about pride. Yeah, I remember I was talking to my wife last night and some friends at dinner. And I remember uh, the first time I went to uh, Japan with Josh Barnett. I was at the Tokyo Dome. And uh, I walk in and I'm right in the middle of the ring. And I think it's like 90,000 people in the arena that it holds or 100,000. It's jam-packed. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm here. <laughs> you know? So that was, a, that was a surreal event, you know, because I grew up as a farm worker and, you know, uh, in a little town of 1,500 people, all farm workers, all Mexicans for the most part. So yeah. to be in Japan in front of all these people, to me, was, uh, was a very mind-blowing experience. I bet. I, and it was yeah. a silent crowd, too, for the majority of the fights. Yeah. You, like, know, now you, you know what? It's, you're absolutely right. And, and it's great, man, because I went back to Japan, I think with Josh Barnett, years after the UFC and all that. And uh, I'm walking into the arena with my bucket getting ready for the first fight and, you know, bagging my towels and all that. 
and you hear people in the audience, stage sign, stage sign. Bro, that didn't give me chills, you know, because, you know, they're quiet, right? But stage sign, stage sign. Is, uh, you know, they knew who you were. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I love watching the pride fights back because when you see just their appreciation for certain moves and escapes and shots and when the striking, when the strike lands, you just hear the oohs and the ahs. But between that, when the fighters are really studying and f- figuring out what they're going to do, you hear nothing but silence, breathing and the, the give on the ring, you know, when, the, when they're bouncing. Beautiful. And for you to be ringside for one of those fights, I'd say was surreal. Oh, better yet, to, to, to be around these athletes during their moments when we get there and the press conferences and the weigh-ins. And, you know, you, you look at the pride fighters at that time where they were the beast of the beast, right? And Vandalay Silva was there and Krokop and Fedor. And, of course, you got all these, you know, super legends that are there. And, and I'm there in the mix with them, right? And uh, so those, those are nice stories that I have with these guys. And just to see... You know, I mean, look at Vandalay. He was a, a natural pit bull right from the get-go. We ended up being friends, you know, and him and the Brazilian guys gave me the nickname Santana <laughs> when we were doing the pride fights, Shogun and, you know, <laughs> uh, all these guys. So, yeah, Fedor had some great legend stories with Fedor and Krokop and, too, of course, you know, Josh Barnett. Uh, but great, great experiences up there, man. Amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Um as we're on the topic of great experiences, the the most pivotal moment in my uh, beginnings in in the combat sports would be UFC ninety three. It was my first UFC event ever. Uh, I had no fight experience. I was a musician who just loved watching UFC fights. Um, I I go to Dublin with my girlfriend. Um, I passed the fighter hotel. I had like a Sky TV laminate that UFC weren't involved with Sky TV at the time. But I brought my Sky TV laminate because the company the company I worked for subcontracted to Sky TV. Uh, I flashed it to the security guy and he let me through. <laughs> yeah, he let me right in. Sure, it's all attitude. <laughs> That's it. Um, now, the cool thing about this, when I was running this interview in my head today, the cool thing about all of this is when I walked into the fighter hotel, it was one hour before weigh-ins and I had like, I'd walked up to all the fighters and asked for a picture and a, you know, handshake or whatever the case may be then. And uh, you obviously were there. Uh, I met you, Joe Rogan, Mike Goldberg, Bruce Buffer, all the, all the package. But it was one hour before weigh-ins and everybody's just so friendly and happy and nice. I caught weight after that. Uh, one hour before weigh-ins, I wouldn't talk to anybody. Yeah. Um, so when I talked to you, what was cool about that was you took my picture of Chris Lytle and Chris Lytle took my picture of me and you. Yeah. And I don't know, you, you like photography and Chris likes photography. You were checking out my camera and it was like, I can't believe these guys are talking to me. Yeah. It was surreal. I, I couldn't describe it properly. It was so cool. Yeah, you know, I had a good time there. And of course, you know, I remember when I worked with Conor McGregor, the first fight that he fought, I think we were in Switzerland, so Sweden, Sweden, I think. And uh, he looked good, man. I go in the back of the dressing room. I said, man, 
you know, the Irish, you guys are like the Mexicans. Yeah, I'm Mexican, right? You guys are like the Mexicans, man, because you guys can fight and you guys can drink, right? You know, <laughs> so yeah, no, I had a good time. But one a, a story is, and you're talking about going to the hotel, and a lot of the fans would always hang around the hotels. And uh, after the fights, I, well, somewhere during, before the fights, somebody lounging the fans, I'll pick one fan out and I'll wrap their hands in front of everybody and, and cut it off and tape it up and give it to them as a, as a souvenir, right? Wow. Well, we were coming back from the fights into the hotel and got these three guys that are there and they're, they've been partying and they're drunk and the guy yells out, Stitch, can you wrap my hands? And I had my bag and I'm, I'm ready to go to my room, right? And uh, I said, nah, let's do it, man. You know, so I, <laughs> I kind of pulled up, I sat him down, wrapped his hands and, and man, you know, they're so grateful and, and uh, go back to my room. But I think we have like a six o'clock lobby call to go to the airport. And man, I would go down and these guys are there and they're still drunk, bro. But his hand wrap was dirty. So I don't know what kind of stuff from the time I wrapped it to the time I saw him, what they did. But I know that they had a great time. So I know they have a story to tell, you know, their trip to Dublin, just as, as, as that was, you know, one of my memories going to Dublin. Awesome. I guarantee he was in a fight. If there was alcohol and it's dirty, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was on the ground. That's why it was dirty. You know? Oh, so, yeah. So, you know what I did? I, I, I always, I cut it right here and I'll pull it off like a glove and then I'll tape it together. So it's one unit. So, but what I did is I fixed it to where he could open it up. You know what? I left it on. So when it was time to take it off, he just had to pull it off as like a blanket, but yeah. I guess he left it on and, and thought, Thought he was gonna knock somebody out. Never oh, thought of man. that. Yeah. yeah, that that most likely he did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's I I would I never had that happen. But I would imagine that would be a super special memory for someone. And it takes a bit of time, so you really do give people your time. It was awesome for that. Yeah, and, and you know the thing about it yeah. is is other people want it done, but I only give it for one person at each show. Just yeah. So that way they say that's yours. Nobody else has that but you. And uh, that makes it a little bit special. You know? That's super special, man. That's really cool. You're just like so kind with your time. I mean, I, yeah, when well, I'm... You know, yeah, well, that's what makes my job fun. It's not even a job. It's an adventure, you know. And, and if I don't get the opportunity to do these things, you know, then I'm, I'm missing the opportunities myself. But it's, uh, I'm a people person, bro. I, like, so I grew up as a farm worker. So I grew up in very humble beginnings. And, and my parents were always... Uh, very humble and we always gave back to people and, and that's just my nature get on the bus bro if you want to go on top i'm going you know let's go <laughs> I love so that's it. always been my nature and it's, it's worked out okay and i'm happy with myself that's pretty sweet because well, as I said well, before all of that I was uh, very very heavily invested in the music industry and when I ever met musicians or people in the music industry uh, you know it was a case of just like sign picture and next um but i i found myself talking to uh, i talked to you and chris lytle for about five or ten minutes i talked to bruce buffer for about 10 minutes and christoph sajinski was cornering dan henderson that night um so i talked to him for a little bit of time as well and i, I was just overcome with emotion because 
everybody who I'd seen on TV is asking me questions now and I'm finding myself having a conversation rather than just telling people I met this guy even though it was just a a two-second selfie on my phone. That's just not the case. So as I said to you at the beginning, this was a very pivotal moment because once UFC 93 happened, I went and found a gym. I exposed myself to as many people in the industry as possible and I sold my drum kit. I was a drummer in a heavy metal band, so... I sold on my drum kit and here I am. Well, you know, we, we spoke earlier before we got on the air about having a passion, you know, that uh, when you be successful, passion has to be the only option that you have. If you do it for the money, do it for the wrong reasons. But I, I see that in you, for you to sacrifice, you know, a whole career and to get rid of your drums, uh, same with me. I made the move to Las Vegas 26 years ago and I took a major cut in pay, but I came here to follow my dreams. And uh, now here I am talking to you and, you know, you have the same dreams I do. And uh, and it's, trust me, the formula is the same to get there. Just continue doing what you're doing and you'll get there. You're already there. So Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And that's why this podcast was set up. So what, what actually happened was when the pandemic hit, uh, I found myself missing just sitting with the guys having that that sharing the passion sharing the conversation sharing the camaraderie uh talking about last week's fights predicting next week's fights um so all of that was lost and i felt i you know i was i have a partner at the gym and i was like hey we should set up a podcast and talk about the fights and send that out to the world so that that's why we're here that's what i'm doing yeah and it's funny how you know people when you get dire straight you make your adjustments right one way or the other and and that's the adjustment that you made. And, and it seems now, now you have two programs to work with and they help each other, you know? So your gym helps your podcast and your podcast, of course, is gonna help your gym. And, you know, guys like me helping you out, and you know, uh, we're, we're gonna make you a success, bro. Awesome, know? man. I gotta so, get you over here for our first show, yeah. start wrapping hands. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I just go back to my way. I, I don't have like a, a huge fight career behind me. I have a couple of fights. I did. I started in jujitsu. I went to boxing. I did a few MMA fights. Um, but when it came to the stresses of the fight game, the most, um, the most, re- there's two very, very relaxing moments on fight night. It's when your hands are being wrapped in the back and just before you get in the cage, when you get the Vaseline on your face everything just shuts down when those two moments happen but you have seen the best of the best get in there and you have seen like them at their most vulnerable at their most scared at their most nervous like that must be surreal for you to see these absolute killers feel so vulnerable Uh, you know you explained it perfectly man and you know i always say these guys are modern day gladiators modern day gladiators but they're all babies deep inside and i understand that and they understand that i understand you know vitor belfort one quote that he said he says when i see stitch walking into the dressing room even though i know he's working the other side he brings that calming effect right and uh and and i think i do you know and but psychology in this aspect is just as important as technique and and uh you know i'll give you a story with Vladimir Klitschko when he fought uh, Anthony Joshua, Wembley Stadium, ninety thousand people, great, great fight, right? Yeah. Well, I've I been with Vladimir, that. yeah, I've been with Vladimir for ten years. You know, worked with him and Vitali, and and uh, but I didn't see Vladimir till the weigh-ins. My daughter had got married in 
the island of Crete on Wednesday. So Thursday, I flew to London, and and that's when I saw him Friday at the weigh-ins. But I'm talking to him, and he knows, you know, we, we go over the, the game plan, and finally I put my hand on his shoulder as I'm leaving, and I said, Vladimir, don't worry about nothing tomorrow. I'm going to take care of you like you're my son. And I leave because I know the night before a fight, you know, you can't sleep, you're due, you're doing this, and all these things are going through your head. And so I left that in his mind. And so here I am right before Michael Buffer does the announcements from millions and millions of people. I'm putting the final spots of Vaseline and we're this far apart. And he says, you can call me son. So brother, I knew wow. I had gotten into his head. Yeah. I mean, at that moment right there, uh, it gave me chills just to know that it was effective. And as probably documented as one of the best fights he's ever had in his career, it's a typical Rocky fight. So I met him months later in Germany and I said, Vladimir, I said, uh, that moment, why? And he says, Stitch, she goes, there's very few people I trust in my life. You are one of them. You know, so, wow. uh, but that's, you know, yeah, yeah. And it's, 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 it's insane. You know, the stories with Fedor, I'll give you one with Fedor Melianco, right? Legend, you know, the pride people, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fedor still, he's, he's still the emperor. He's a legend, right? So I used to go to Japan with Josh Barnett and guys would want me to wrap their hands. And Josh would say, look, man, I'm paying to bring him here with my own money. If you want him to wrap your hands, $500. I'd <laughs> make like two, $3,000 easy like this, right? Because they all wanted me to wrap their hands, right? So, but Fader had just come back from breaking his thumb. This was first fight back. And I think he was fighting Mark Hunt. I, I might be wrong, but I think it was Mark Hunt. And so the promoter comes and asks me if I could wrap Fedor's hands. Man, I didn't talk about mon money or nothing. I was honored. So I walk into the dressing room and and uh, I see Fedor. I start wrapping his hands. And I understand the Russian mentality is different than America. I like to talk to guys when I'm wrapping their hands and kind of shoot the shit and relax them. And But I understand that Russians are a lot more quieter, more conservative. So I'm trying to have Fedor talk and yes and no. And okay, open, close, open, close. Finally, I finished wrapping his hands and I say, how do they feel? He goes... Super, super. Bro, that's all he said, man. <laughs> I, I walked out, man. My feet weren't even touching the ground, you know. And and uh, at the end of the fight, he had won. So, you know, we're walking down the hallway back towards the bus. And, and he invites Josh and I into the dressing room. And says, Placiba, we drink. So we took shots of vodka with Fedor. So, and, uh, yeah, so tons of stories, man. Oh, man, that's epic. Fedor looking at you just going super, probably very, uh, very uh, cold. Yeah, cold, but, but that ain't nothing. All right, you're right. That was the cold side of him, right? Can I show you the hard side of him? Give me a second. Hold on. Go for it. This is all staying in my anticipation. <laughs> ah, it's going it, to blow your mind. So the last Bellator show I did, was in San Jose and Fedor was, uh, I'm walking into the hotel from the airport. So Fedor and his team are there. After that moment, I always wrapped his hands and him and his brother, Alexander, I always wrapped their hands. So I'll, I had that commitment and all that. But uh, as I walk into the lobby, he's there and he comes up to me, gives me a hug. And he says, I have some sweats for you. And I said, no kid. So he told the guy to go upstairs and get the sweats and look, bro, he put my name on them. Oh, wow. Oh, that's yeah. a collector's item right there. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah. Who else do that? Wow. Yeah. 
That you is know, amazing. What, 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 what makes that special is not for the sweats themselves. It's that he thought about that when they were having, they were being done in, in uh, Russia. So amazing. that's what makes it special. You know, that he thought about Brock Lesnar, same thing. You know, he hooked me up with some stuff thinking about me and Tito Ortiz and Leoto. And, you know, I, I get all these moments where these guys think about me from, you know, when they're doing their thing. And this is before the fights. So, yeah, I got up tons of stories like that. That is so special, man. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Because, yeah. yes, we, we see these guys, killers, just, yeah. just, I mean, when you're outside of the sport and you're looking in, it's like, I don't want to be associated with these animals. But these are so sensitive people with with feelings and, and think about things like they bring uh, this to you because you have an impact on their life. And, and that, I mean, that's just awesome. And Fedor, of all people, we look at Fedor as just this cold yeah. killer. <laughs> and he does yeah. this for you. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, Krokop and Vandalay and all these guys, they, you, we create a certain bond with each other, you know, because of the position that I'm in, they know I'm there to take care of them, you know? And, and, uh, yeah, I get a lot, a lot of special moments, man. And time after time is I'll get a hug and I'll get a kiss and thank you, Sticks. Tyson Fury in the last fight. Thank you. You know, love you yeah. you know and those those are i've had guys cry when i'm wrapping their hands you know sit there and let them cry i understand their moments you know like you were saying those are the hard moments you know <laughs> having your hands wrapped put the vaseline because you know there's no turning back and that's what frank Mir said frank Mir says when when i see stitch walking into the dressing room my stomach drops because i know it's time to fight oh wow and yeah you know so but that's what i get to see that's what that's what i get to live you know, and that's why, to me, this isn't a, a job. It's it's an adventure. You know, I'm blessed to be doing that, and with so many of the greatest fighters. And not even don't have to be the greatest fighter, just fighters. Like I've been doing a lot of the boxing uh, series in the bubble with top rank, and a lot of these guys are young boxers. But hey, listen, I treat them exactly the same as I would Tyson Fury, any world champion, because they deserve that. And like I tell them. You know, is is I want to. I don't even charge them. You know, I said I want you to understand the importance of having a good team in your corner, and uh, and I try to educate and, and all that. So, yeah, it's a fun job, man. And then the stories that come with it are crazy. Yeah, again, so special that you have these moments with these like killers who yeah. are just so sensitive and who um, have the presence of mind to think about you after the fact as well not just in the heat of battle but just after the fact i mean he probably talked to some guy who knows a guy who manufactures that that uh, sweats and and put stitch on it and sends it to you gets it to you somehow but yeah that's that's beautiful man that is amazing you know, uh forrest griffith when he fought shogun it was the first time that a pride fighter had fought a ufc fighter but pride had already been taken over by the ufc but it was a great fight and Ford ended up with a big old gash here and, and, and I kept him in the game and, you know, he ended up winning and, and a week later, you're talking about after thinking about you after the event is, uh, he sends me a real nice gift certificate to a nice restaurant. Thanks me for all that. And, you know, Chuck Lydell, him and his coach would always call me and thank me. And, 
you know, so those, yeah, those are very special moments that you just, you can't go out there and buy. Yeah. Cause I've heard in previous interviews when you said, uh, I'll take care of you. Like you're one of my kids or that you're my son. And like that, that got me super emotional because, you know, these guys put their everything into the like the full investment of their livelihoods into this uh, career and your next paycheck depends on how this fight goes yeah. uh, so you get like a win bonus or if it's a 50 and 50 split or you know who like your your title contender in your next fight could be for the title um, sure. so they've put it all in and you're helping them and they don't forget that that is that is just so beautiful for me to hear. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that that thing about you know your father, that started when Lyoto Machida beat Rashad Evans. So you had worked with Lyoto in Japan through Josh Barnett before he was with the UFC, and when he fought Rich Franklin. And uh, uh, so I worked with him every time in the UFC. But you remember his father was very Japanese, but very very proud Shogunish type of. Of, 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 a, of, a, of a warrior, right? Yeah. So he beat Rashad. So I go in the dressing room and, and I go to congratulate him and his father's sitting there very proud and in front of his father. He says, Fish, in the ring, you are my father. And his father just kind of, you know, man, that was, you know, so I know that that's the feeling that I get from these guys. And and, and for me to relay that to them is is just as important as, as the information I got from Yoko. So... Yeah, that's so special, man. You, you, you've like those moments must be so touching for you, you know. Uh, they're 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 phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, Carol Parisian fought Drew Fickett one time and ended up with a big old cut. And Manny Gambarian was working with him, and Manny was just green. And and the other guy, they were for coaches, they were horrible. They were well, they were green, right? But but <laughs> Carol got a big old cut, and oh, down here. And he looks in the big TV, he's on the ground, and he'll go like this, opens up, and people are going, ooh, and ah. And, well, my job as a cut man is not to give instructions, but I, I was a coach, and I understood the circumstance, and it wasn't fair for Carol not to be getting the right information from these young guys. So I took it upon myself as I'm working on them. I said, don't worry about the cut, man. You know, you just go out there and stay on the stand-up. Don't go down on the ground, and, and you'll be fine. And he ended up winning the fight, right? So... Yeah. Shows later in Las Vegas, I'm at the MGM, and I see Carol and his father there sitting down at ringside, and I'll go over there and say hi to him. And, and his father, they're Armenian, right? And, uh, and and he looks at me, he says, thank you for taking care of my son. I, I want to invite you to my house for dinner. You know, and I said, wow. And you know, the Armenians, Mexicans, we were that family oriented like that. To me, that was, that was a major, major honor because I understood. And of course, they live in LA and I live here in Las Vegas, but the thought was there. So those are the kind of things I get, man. So how can you not love what I do? That's so cool. I really love that. That is such an honor. And like, even just yeah. if you never went, that's just like, you know, so, yeah. so cool. Um, I, I, I want to correlate that with what I'm going through right now as a coach. Uh, I stopped. I, I had a fight in 2015. That was my last one. And I became a coach in 2016. And then I became a gym owner about a year ago. Um, so between starting coaching and owning a gym, I kind of, I see what my coaches went through with me, seeing these invincible 
killers who just want to get in there and fight and you know when sparring is hard it's always great but you know you gotta tame the lion a little bit when you're training um but when someone has a bad night in the gym when someone is not at their best and they know they're not at their best seeing them at their most vulnerable state the way i let my coach see me at my most vulnerable state like i've i've left the gym and sat in the shower and cried for 20 minutes you know um but with what i'm seeing now it's it's really uh it's kind of i'm seeing the industry for what it is now and when we see these trash talkers when we see these guys who are on twitter all the time we know it's just a show. We know it's just talk. And when they get in there, that's when you see what someone's truly made of, when they pick themselves up and, you know, trying to correlate that across to being in a position where, where you've been, where you see these guys and you see them at their most vulnerable. Um, it's a huge responsibility that I'm, I'm having to take, like a step back when I, when I enter the gym. Sometimes I'm like, okay, he's having a bad night. He's having a good night. Let's it's a mathematical equation sometimes you know and i like that you said mathematical equations because i tell people i look at everything in numbers percentage wise what's the highest or what's the most probable what's the most likely but guys are going to have bad days it's just it's the yin and the yang you know but how you handle those days and how you bring them back if it's not physical it's probably mental but how you bring them back mentally you know and i just i worked with a young kid gay floors that's a good upcoming boxer and on his last fight, he got whooped on real bad. And I saw him uh, Saturday at the fight. <clears throat> and I asked him how he was doing mentally. And he said, no, no, you know, we're back on track. We're back in the gym and all that. But, yeah, you have to understand. And, yeah, you were a fighter, so you know what the pain feels like, you know. And, and you have to understand. And, and a quote that I, when I interviewed Mike Tyson one time, I said, Mike, every fighter has that one little thing that nobody has that's what makes him a fighter. What's that one little thing? And very simply, Mike Tyson says, take the pain. You have to take the pain. And as I broke it down, I, he was 100% on the truth because you take pain in training, you take pain in the fights, you take pain with your family, you take pain with your financials, you just take pain with the mental. So there's pain that goes with it. But how you handle it and adjust it and turn it into a positive it's it's you know you you gotta have a heart to do that and you have to understand them and been there yeah yeah i love that i love that because you got to train hard if you want to be good right there's no there's no fast way to the top there's no easy way you can't identify as a a pro boxer you got to go through all of the heavy nights at the gym the hard sparrings the repetitive jabs uh, you got to get your nose bloody at some point, you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a grind. I, I, sp- I had my former coach on this podcast and we talked about that for about an hour. And it was a beautiful experience to, to be able to sit there and thank him for all of the uh, tough love, I guess, he gave me in the gym. You know, when, when you're not having a good night, Sometimes you got to be smacked over the back of the head and say, get up, do it again, as opposed to be babied, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, I have, uh, in fact, some, some, uh, a high-name profile fighter uh, told me that same story you did that he got whooped on, and in the shower he cried, you know? So you and him, trust me, are not the only ones. You know, those, those are the moments. Yeah. That's because of the passion you have for what you do, you see? 
and and if you cry about it, you're probably going to do something about it. You know, so I think that's only part of nature, and that's the part of the. Yeah, I told you, we're all babies. Deep inside, we are all babies. You know, gladiators, but no gladiators. You're all deep babies, and that has to come out sometimes. Yeah. And I love talking about it now. I never talked about it then. I would never let anybody see that yeah. vulnerable side of me back then because I didn't want my coach to see that I quit that night. Um, but to talk about it in real time now where I can look back and go, okay, yeah, I had a bad night that night in the gym. I felt that I wasn't good enough uh, before my first cage fight. About three weeks before the fight, he pulled me aside and said, if I don't see drastic improvement this week, we're going to pull the fight. And that was the fire that was lit, you know. Um, but to go home and cry about that for that whole weekend, he told me on a Friday night. Um, I never told any about anybody about that until like 10 years later. Uh, but to look back on those moments, that that's so special for me to like, like amateur. This was amateur fights now, but... Yeah. I think it's it's nice to look back and to be really truly honest with especially you know my responsibility with as a coach and as as a, an owner of a gym that hey you're going to have some bad nights yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. it's not all sunshine and rainbows right yeah I, know. I was down, uh, funny you know you're hundred percent right you know the mental game but I was down when I used to have a school of kickboxing right one of my, one of my students we just talked about it the other day. He's getting his ass whooped right down. He looks at it and says, do I have asshole written on my forehead or what? You know? so, <laughs> so he had that bad day, right? And But yeah, you all go, not everybody has, you're not batting a thousand or a hundred percent ever. So it's what you do with that time and, and that mental game and how you make your adjustments. And, you know, you see little kids that get hit by their, you know, maybe their little brother or something like that. And the guy gets, fears he comes right back on him. He gets that strength. Uh, you know, sometimes you need that. That's it. That's exactly it. I love I love talking about all this kind of stuff. It's one of the main reasons this podcast was set up to yeah. talk about this type of stuff specifically. I well, love it's good, it. You know, it's, it's good for your listeners to understand what goes on outside of just throwing blows. How do you get to that point where you're throwing blows and absorbing them, you know, and giving them and taking the pain, as Mike Tyson would say. You know, what, what makes these fighters special and, and, and outside of just being on technique, but their yeah. mental game, you know, uh, Pete Drago, uh, Pete's house, you'll see earlier on Pete's house fought Matt Brown and, and the referee stopped the fight and he's arguing with the referee and he's arguing with the, the, the doctor and all that. And, and that, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And I come up to him and I look at him and I say, Drago, look at me. You got knocked out. He says, stitch, stitch. I believe. <laughs> so, so, you know, but wow. those, those are the type of things that you have to kind of understand that, you know, they rely on people like you as a coach. Yeah. There you go. Do you, are you still up to speed on, on MMA? Do you still watch UFC and Bellator and all of that? You no, see? no, not really. You know, I've been doing, uh, since this COVID kicked in, I've been doing, uh, God, this is my 33rd show since this COVID struck out with, struck in with top rank. So I've been doing a lot of boxing, but nah, I've just kind of lost you know, all the characters have changed. Uh, you know, you look at the some of the top guys, but I don't really know them. And, you know, it just, it's not the UFC that I knew when, when I was in the UFC, the big names and the personalities and, and you know, the everything that went with that, with the sponsorships and uh, everything. I see you got the bad boy. Uh, yeah. Those times have changed, you know. So 
that was more as looking at it on an independent. And uh, with Bellator, yeah, that, I've been working these guys, so I haven't done Bellator or PFL. Uh, but as things slow down, hopefully I'll be able to do something. But uh, I'm good till the end of the year. In fact, I'm going to, I got a show on the 20th and then the 21st, I go to Dubai. Uh, I, and then December 11th in New York and then uh, January starts all over. I'm doing Creed 3. So I'll, I'll give you the scoop on that, bro. So I get a call a couple of weeks ago. I want to know if I was available in January and February uh, for Creed 3. And I said, yes, of course. So it uh, looks like uh, I'll be working with Michael B. Jordan as his cut man again. And I saw him and I did a show in Atlanta two weeks ago and invited him to use it. The team's, they're filming in Atlanta and the team, they're already there. So I invited him to the show and, and took him backstage to so you can see me wrap hands and put him in that mood. And so, yeah, Creed 3 coming up. Wow, you're a busy man, huh? You don't stop. Ah, it's, I tell you how, what would you do? <laughs> would you do it? I <laughs> sure. think I would, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, it's funny, man. It's funny because like the bare knuckle fights, I think they wanted to put me in the Hall of Fame. And, but I only did like six shows with it, the new bare knuckle fights. Ah, I'm not Hall of Fame, you know, that. So I'm talking with one of my friends. I said, well, what would you do? He goes, they got nice rings. Yes, yeah. It's beyond the rings, man. I got I to gotta earn those titles, you know, and I haven't gotten there for the bare knuckle fights yet. Yeah, but your your career has gotten you to a point where you've earned that back. That's backdated for serv services rendered, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's nice. You know, the ring would be nice. You know? Yeah. That's for it. Real. I mean, it just, yeah, that's not, that's never been my goal, you know, to say I'm a Hall of Famer nice but yeah all that comes with time well you're one of the most like recognizable faces in combat sports like yeah. you know that your career speaks for itself i mean it doesn't matter what the sport but you're you just you're known and it's like yeah. I, I was talking to my wife about this earlier today she doesn't really follow fights much she just listens to me ramble a lot about fights uh, and i said i'm talking to stitch duran tonight and she's like, oh, like she's heard me talk about you before, but uh, she's like, is this, are you prepared? And I said, I'm preparing, uh, but it's it's like I'm talking to the Morgan Freeman of combat sports. Uh, and she's like, wow, that's that's pretty prestigious. So yeah, that that's basically how someone in my position views you. When I see your face, the same way we see Morgan Freeman on the TV, we know this character is going to be good. We know this show is going to be good. He's involved. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, the Tyson Fury fight, right, where uh, uh, I worked one of the earlier fights and we're behind the curtain as you walk down the tunnel to the ring and uh, Shaq O'Neal uh, walks in for the fights and he looks at me, comes up to me, gives me a hug and says, I see you everywhere. That's all he said. <laughs> I love I said, it. Okay. Thanks, man. Right on. You know, so, so, yeah, it's kind of nice to get those accolades, I'm telling you. That's awesome, man. That that's so cool because yeah, like I said, whenever I see, um, you know, you you've been caught on a few hot mics before when uh, it's like the end of the round or the end of the fight, and you're cleaning down someone's face, and you know, for me, I pay attention to absolutely everything. I don't just look at the fight; I look at the whole yeah, yeah. production. And you're—I don't know who it was, but it was like 15 years ago. You're wiping down someone's face, and you're you said something like, "That's what we do, baby." Like. <laughs> I, I just hear that and I'm like, you know, 
that brings it all back for me when when I was preparing for this interview tonight. I'm like, I remember that. I don't know who who was fighting or what what fight it was, but before I'd even met you, that was in my head. Like you're just caring for the fighter. That's what. Yeah, yeah. and then it's it a is. team effort, you know. And that's it's it's important. You walk in, you know, you're in the gym as a team, and you keep that same foundation going into an actual fight. And uh, but it is, it's you got to respect these fighters. I sure do. Yeah, it seems like you do. I mean, you've got that connection to the greatest of the grade. And, you know, I don't care what company you work for. You, you, you need to go in all of their Hall of Fames, in my opinion. So, yeah, there you go. Don't worry about that when the time comes. But that's basically the reason I wanted to talk to you in real time to be able to look back on that pivotal weekend in my life, UFC 93, and to be able to say thank you for being so accommodating, so welcoming and so forthcoming when I just complete stranger walk up to you and say, hey, Stitch, could I get a picture? And we're talking for like 10 minutes. Uh, for me to sit here and to be able to thank you uh, 12 years later is so special for me. Yeah. You know, let me relay another story, especially for me also. I, these are the moments that, that I like. And like my wife and I were talking over dinner with these friends that, kids that were my students in, in ASK, the micro school of kickboxing. Some of them are fighters now, but how I help curtail their careers, their lives. You know, you really helped me here and I appreciate it. So it's nice to hear those kind of stories. And, uh, you know, just, it's, it's awesome. So I appreciate it. Awesome, man. I won't take any more of your time, man. I know you, you're a busy schedule and it's probably your day off Sunday in Vegas, you know? <laughs> Now, you know, I, for the most part, I don't do I don't do much. I, it's usually the weekends when I work Monday to Thursdays. I'm just kind of a slug. My wife puts me to work. And, you know, here I'm Jacob. Uh, all over the world, I'm stitched, but at home, I'm Jacob. You know, that's and, it. Uh, man. But no, that's uh, but I'm a family man. And I'm just I'm just best doing what I'm doing. I love it, man. You're one of the good guys, man. I really appreciate your time. Any any final words from my listeners or my guys at the gym who just look up to you and I want to see more of you? Yeah, well, you know what, man, on your podcast, you got to have uh, uh, a phone open for questions, you know, and, and, you know, have your guests answer some questions as you go and all that. But yeah, next time I come into Dublin, I'll check out your, your gym. And, uh, but whatever I could do to help you guys out, let me know, man. My phone's always open. And awesome. uh, I got the time, you know, because for me, this, this is what I enjoy. This is my entertainment, is, is I call it barbershop talk. You know, a lot of times I'll go, a lot of times, I just, almost every week i'll go check out the mayweather gym and city boxing gym and bones adams gym so i would check out the boxing gym here in vegas and just kind of you know hang out with the guys and tell war stories like this so this awesome. is what we do so it's not my first rodeo <laughs> awesome right? man. we're based in switzerland in lucerne switzerland oh, so you are in switzerland yeah yeah i'm from ireland but we uh i, I moved to switzerland 2012 ah i thought you were just on vacation there no 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 i Living here ever since. I love it. Yeah. So we did uh, Bond, Vladimir fought in Bond, Bond, right? Switzerland. Bond, that's right. That was 2013. Yeah. So that was Emmanuel Stewart's birthday is the same as my wife's birthday. And it was the same as Tom Lawford's, the manager for Pitsco. So uh, we were in Bond and, and we're having lunch and all that. But uh, I worked with Emmanuel Stewart for, you know, those whole years with Vladimir. And I see him at the airport. And, he goes one way and I go the other way. And last time I saw him, you know. Wow. And, but what a legendary trader. Yeah. And now I'm working with Sugar Hill, his, his nephew. 
you know, that, that is doing the same, uh, following the same footsteps as, as his uncle. <clears throat> and I told him, you know, you're, for me, you're second generation. You know, yeah. you know I was with Emmanuel. I, I know Emmanuel better than you know Emmanuel. You know, <laughs> so, uh, so it's good. So I've been blessed. Amazing, man. Listen, thank you so much again for coming on, man. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm talking to Fight Royalty right now, so you've yeah. made you've made my day. My pleasure, my man. And have fun in the gym, man, all right? Work them hard, but work them fair. Done deal. Sir, yeah. have a good all evening. Right. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Well, that was Stitch. Oh, my God, man. What an absolute hero. I love it. To be able to sit down and talk to these guys on a podcast and just have a like not an interview where it's like question and answer and then question and answer I, that's not what I want I want to sit down and and bounce off each other which is great uh, some amazing stories with Stitch that that um, Fedor sweat that he had with Stitch written on it that blew my mind that's so cool man uh, again being able to reach out to fight royalty as I call it and to be able to sit down and talk like this is it's surreal for me strong DM game right there um yeah so that's that's my conversation today i don't think i need to add to any of that that was i'm very very happy i was editing it recently over the last few hours and i was going to take out the parts where i tend to ramble um i decided you know what i'm going to leave them in because i want to be as open and as honest as possible on this podcast and by me editing out my mistakes or my rambling or when i get caught up in sentences where you see me thinking with my hands um you know i want to be real with you guys i want to be real with the listeners and who is watching on youtube and for me this is real this is me being nervous being fragile being vulnerable and i think putting that out there and telling everybody that hey that's absolutely fine Th this is a part of everything podcasting your career your work relationships it's not always going to be perfect i don't want to get too philosophical now but that's exactly why i decided to leave it all in and not edit a single part of my nervousness Thank you very much, guys, for listening. I sincerely appreciate your, your time, your, um, your willingness to give me a shot as a podcaster and to, um, and to just have me in your ears and, and just to, to show your love and support. I thought I'd get a lot more love and support from the closest people to me who have pretty much demonstrated that they're not interested in my podcast and not interested in podcasting and not interested in liking, sharing, or subscribing which doesn't cost anybody anything. It helps me and it doesn't cost anybody anything. But if you like what you hear or what you see and want to show your support, I'm not ever going to ask you to dig your hands in your pocket and hand me anything. I'm going to ask that you simply press the subscribe button, hit the like button, or put a comment saying great episode or shit episode or whatever. Um, that that's all I ask for and if it's on your Facebook and you want to just go ahead and share it and have no interactions that still helps me if I get one more listener from any listener out there it helps it helps boost the agenda as to what I want to do guys thank you very much for listening to my ramble again I do appreciate your love and support uh, let's see who we get on next who's your favorite fighter who's your favorite person in the uh, in the fight world who would you like me to reach out to and have a conversation with? The sky's the limit right there. Guys, take care of yourselves, man.